Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. We are so glad that you are here, that you are with us, that you're watching. If you're here in the room or if you're traveling or watching online, come on. Let's give everybody a hand who's watching online. Y'all... Come on, no, no, no. We got to do better than that. Come on, start over. One, two, three. Come on, give everybody a hand watching online. We miss you. We're ready to see you. Listen, so many good things are happening. So let me just talk real quick before we jump in the word. Many of you know that we are in a building project, and I know that when you walked in, okay, when you walked in, you were like, dang, there's a lot of people. And so based on when you came, it's hard to get down the hallway. I just want you to know we know that. You know what I'm saying? You just, you just, you just can't bust out parts of the wall because rain comes in. Uh, but if it were up to me, it would be way bigger. And uh, so I just thank you for all of you who brave uh, the eye of the needle <laughs> uh, that, that actually you know, risk your own lives. To walk down that hallway knowing that kids are going to run into you and you have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, but we are building a new facility. Come on. That's the good news. The good news is uh, we won't be cramped for long. And so uh, we are excited about that. Our matching by March. So let me just tell you about that before you guys put that up there. Um, uh, I've January the 30th, at the end of the month, we really entered into a time of seeking the Lord. We began to pray. We had about our seven days fast as a church, and then we opened up Tuesday nights for prayer here. And it was during that time that I, I really believe that God was like, hey, I want you to relax. Because I'm, I'm pretty, like, I want you to know, like, I'm like this all the time. Uh, I'm excited. I'm energetic for all the people that know me and have been around me my whole life. Uh, I, I go. I just go. So I'm, I was like, God, what are we going to do? What am I, I'm going to sell my house. I'm a truck. Uh, you know, how much could I get for a kid? I mean, I'm just thinking. Uh, just, I'm kidding. That was a joke. I, my, my wife would never let me do that. <laughs> but, but no, seriously, just uh, thinking of ways. And um, uh uh, I know my kids are thinking, I know which one. <laughs> you know, it's funny to do life with your family, and, um, and, and we love doing that. But uh, anyway, um, so on the 30th of January, I got a call from uh, this man, and we were eating, and he said, hey, uh, I've really been praying about your building project, and um, I, I, want, I really believe that God wants me to challenge you. Um, do you think that you can raise $100,000 in 60 days? And I was like, whoa. I mean, I, I believe God can do that. And he said, well, here's the deal. If you can do that, then I'm going to match it. And so uh, we began to share this with our church, with our people. We've all, you know, had moments where we did some committing at last year. And so right now, here's where we're at. Come on, get ready. Uh We're at $89,000, and the reason that's important, and the reason that's so exciting, and you may be like, wow, that's super exciting, so you're, you're clapping because we're almost there, or you're clapping because you didn't have to write the check, but either way, come on, like, like God is doing it. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me, uh, you know, Pastor Stephen, once we get it, I love your faith, once we actually get that money, what will that go to? Well, obviously, I just, I, I don't know how many church buildings you've bought in recently, uh, but they don't come equipped. Uh, and so everything has to be in there. And so I don't know about you, but come on, y'all give it up for our worship team. They, do, they work hard. And so I just, as hard as they're working, I think that they want a microphone. Uh, uh, they want a speaker. And, and so uh, this, a, a lot of this is the lighting the lighting in all of the rooms, the lighting in uh, the auditorium, the, the 
and, and you know, there's different types of lighting. It's the sound system. Um, it's what we need to, to actually produce worship. Um, it's some of the sound equipment. So uh, there's a lot there. And then there's stuff going into the rooms. So that's what that is. Uh, another person asked me just recently, hey, once we get all that, will that be it? And, and no. I mean, obviously, that's just our next step, and that's what we need right now to kind of get us to the next uh, 30 or 40 days. And then there will be more things that we will need and we will do, and we're working on a few ideas for that. But uh, the good news is, and the good report is, we're closer than we think. And I just want to say this. In the middle of COVID and this, uh, once we once we get this, we are going to get this. I'm just saying, by faith, we're going to get this. But once we get this, think about this church. We will have invested a million dollars. Listen to this. We will have invested a million dollars into our property. And I don't know about you, but there's not a million people here. Uh, God has done it. And let's give him honor for that. Come on. And, I, I, and, and let me just say this. Let me, let me say this to, to those that, because I want to say this, and I'm going to get into this. When you hear a million dollars, you're like, ah. Oh. And, and I wrestled with this because I, I, when I was younger, I did not understand money a lot. And I was adopted from a foster home. My parents got divorced. And after my parents got divorced, we were financially broken a lot. We, there was just this poverty mentality. Uh, we never had any money. Uh, we were on food stamp and WIC. And th th thank God for those, those uh, programs. Um, but, but I was one of those people that was like, what does the church need with all that? We don't need any of that. We just think about how many people we could feed. But the Bible already talks about that. Jesus said, the needy you will always have with you. And so we are actually creating a factory that develops people rather than giving bread that's all consumed in one moment. Does that make sense? And so there are people who, who listen, your calling is to give your bread so that people can eat today. Okay? And we need those people. But for the church to begin to do all that God wants to do, we are not a church that's open one day a week. I promise you, drive by every, we are discipling, we are training, we are mentoring, we are releasing. And so I had a, another man a couple weeks ago say, man, pastor, we miss it when you're not preaching. And I, and, and I just want to let you know, um, if you're looking for a church where I am always the communicator, then this is not your church. And here's why. Because I'm going to be a dad, I'm going to be a husband, and I'm going to be, and that's like, like, like in the scope of ministry, God is first for me, my, my wife and my family are next, and then what I get to do, which y'all are very important to me. Does that make sense? Um, and so I really believe that the assignment on our heart is to equip and train. So we are always training people to communicate because there are, I believe there are six or seven campuses, churches, autonomous things that God's going to do with us. And I can't be everywhere. I do not, I'm not looking to be the grand poobah. And, and so uh, there will be times that I will sit and listen. And there will be times that I will, uh, we just got back from a marriage conference. I'm going to work on us so that I can be available for a long term for y'all. Does that make sense? And so I just want you to know it's not because I'm lazy and it's not because I don't like speaking. I would do it every single day of my life. But if I'm always up here and I can't develop our young men that God is sending us, if I can't develop some young women that God is sending us, then we are not preparing for the future. And we are always preparing for the future. Come on, y'all give the Lord some hand clap for that. When I look over the landscape of our country, over the world, it is easy to be discouraged. I don't know about you, but it's easy to be discouraged. And that discouragement, you know, dis discouragement is actually, it's alarming. Because it'll throw you off of the targets that God has for you. I believe that God has good things for you. But when you get discouraged, you feel like nothing's going right. You feel like everything's going, you know, uh, to hell in a handbasket. You're just like, what motivation do I have to do X, Y, Z? As you look over the world, you can almost feel as if evil 
is winning. But church, it's important for us to understand what is before us. Never in your life have you had a moment and an opportunity. We have a window of opportunity as the church because every time darkness and despair starts to rise, people become open to the gospel. When we begin to say, we're praying for winds of revival, and everybody says amen. Winds of revival don't happen when everybody's fed, everybody's winning, and there is no problems. It's actually, if, you, if we were to be transparent, it's the winds of adversity and hardship that begin to make you run to the Lord where you used to be a little, I wish I had someone to help me with this. Come on. It is when your husband and wife says, I think we're done, that you want to come. Come on. Like, it's on those moments people run into Tuesday night prayer. Hear what I'm saying? It's in problems and adversity that makes us go, I don't have any other options. And here's the deal. God's not an intimidating God. He actually likes that position. He doesn't cause it, but he loves to show up, and he loves to be the, the agent of winning in your life, and he loves, come on, listen, to turn it all around. It is the best time in the world to be a believer if you'll stay on target. It's important for us that current conditions do not control our faith. Current conditions cannot control your faith. Come on, listen. Come on, help me. So just to let you know, as a culture, as a church online, you may have to throw in an emoji, but, but I, am, I preach better when we're all talking. Now, I don't want you to get up and steal the conversation, but amens, that's right, that's good. And I know, I remember a couple years back, I had someone say, wow, I've never been in a church that's as rambunctious. And I was like, rambunctious? I was like, everything is in order. And they were like, no, people are always talking, and I'm like trying to focus. But here's, the, here's what I'm, 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 the reason that I like a little bit of engagement is because, first of all, studies show that you can only receive about six to seven minutes, and then you're going to fall asleep. And when someone says, that's good, you're like, what was good? I missed it. Come on, how many times have you heard something, you knew it was good, you didn't write it down, and then you thought about it, and you're like, oh man, that what really was good, and then you looked at your wife or husband's notes and go, did you get that? Come on, <laughs> come, come on. We want you to engage and be so intentional that when God begins to brush up on areas that are you, come on, not, not, I'm not talking about your mate, I'm not talking about your kids, Amen. Yeah, like we're we're a no nudging church. Come on, like uh, you ain't here to fix your spouse. You're here to work on you. Come on, somebody. It's the best time in the world to be a believer, but if your conditions always control your faith, then it's almost as if you're saying, God, I can worship you better, and I can be more obedient when all of my bills are paid. My spouse is being nice to me. My kids are being obedient. My boss approves me for that pay raise. My car is working really well. I have been awarded the certificate of great employer, employment, whatever. But if you are condition-based, then here's the thing. You're always going to be stolen victory from you because the conditions are never right. I can't help but to think about three key people in the Bible who were called and God began to aim their life to a trajectory, to the target where God had for them. And yet they had other plans. Eve thought that she could aim for a better life other than what God could provide. Eve, Eve was the first woman in the Bible, and God had placed them, and, and, and Eve thought maybe it can be done better. And so she rejected God's provision. Samson 
the, Samson was like one of the strongest guys in the Old Testament. And, and if you ever read the story of Samson, I just want you to know that it's imperative that you have a correct view of Samson. Samson wasn't one of the gym rats that you see in the gym that cannot clap or scratch his back. You know, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like. That was not Samson because the Bible says that it was a mystery to how he had strength. And, and, and I think that people will look at you and they will be like, oh, I know you. It's a mystery on how you're navigating this. I, I, I know who you are. We went to school together. How It's a mystery. How have you been able to stay married? How have you been able to? I mean, we are going to be a mystery to the culture, but that's enticing and that makes them ask the question. Come on, does that make sense? It says that Samson was, was really manipulated. And what's sad about Samson's story is that he, was, he began to aim at the target, but then slowly began to aim at other people and thought other people could make him feel more alive than God's presence. What about Judas? Uh, Judas was picked to be part of the twelve, and... He was set to be aiming toward advancing the gospel, but instead his aim got off and he began to achieve goals and profit faster than God's process. I don't believe that Judas wanted to sell Jesus out because he believed him to be a bad man. I believe that his achievement and goals and priorities surplanted and wanted to overcome the process that God had. Come on, somebody. I'm not judging these people. I'm not judging these stories. But the Bible shows us that we all miss the target. Come on, has anybody missed the target? Come on, online, have you missed the target? We've all, the Bible says that in Romans that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And I need you to know that maybe there would be a little bit more humility, come on, in our homes if we realized we weren't perfect. There'd be a little bit more grace on the job side if we didn't think that we were the only one that knew. We are starting a new series called On Target. And my assignment today is live on. Come on, look at someone and say live on. Come on, live on. We got to do it better than that. Come on, look at someone and say live on. Psalms chapter 103 Verse 1 and 2, Psalms 103, verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Can I just stop for a second? David wrote this psalm, and I just think that it is important that worship for our church, worship as far as the Bible is concerned, is not the warm-up to the word. Our churches aren't clubs, and this is not a karaoke moment. I just love the karaoke time at our building. They have words, and you just follow along. It's so great. Here's what I need you to understand. In 1 Timothy, it actually says, Paul was writing to Timothy, and he says, I implore you. Man, I wish that all men would lift up hands. And I know that you can come in, and if you've not been in church for a while, you can walk into church and you can feel like it's overtly feminine. And, and I just want you to know that there is a place of masculinity and strength when you're able to open your mouth and sing and worship the Lord. And what some people call that as a lack of strength is that. Now, I'm, uh, let's not get it twisted. I ain't, I ain't shaking my. You know what I'm, I'm keeping it straight. I'm, I'm going to get my hands up. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying I ain't busting out. I'm, I'm, you're never going to see me doing a banner. I'm just going to tell you that. But I think this idea that men cannot worship and call it strength actually is a huge sign of 
not wanting to be uncomfortable, which if you trace what uncomfortable is, sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's personality. Sometimes it's insecurity. Sometimes it's a lot of things. And I'm just telling you, listen, we never want to be a church that that is going to allow our, our men. And the reason I'm writing this is because David wrote it. Like David was a G. David was a man's man. I mean, I don't know how many songs y'all have written about you, but Saul was, his, the song in his day was Saul kills thousands, but David kills ten thousands. We can, we can, uh, uh. <laughs> like, so I just want you to know there was no wussy factor in David. Dave was like, shing, 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 rock, pff, uh, yeah, God. <laughs> Lift his hands, scars all up on his arms, busted knuckles. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I just think that there is a strength when we're able to worship our creator. Yeah. Because it actually settles our soul. And causes us to look toward heaven. You hear what I'm saying? Okay. Look at this. Bless the Lord on my soul. He, he, he's so blessing, he had to do it twice. Come on. Some of y'all think, man, I already said thank you to God. Say it twice. Oh, my soul. Oh, time's up. And forget not all of his benefits. Everybody say benefits. Anybody like benefits? How many like benefits? It's so funny how so many believers don't want to talk about the, I don't serve God for all that. <laughs> what? I need you to stay with me for the whole time that we're going to have a conversation because I need you to know of your benefits because nobody can tell me they don't like benefits. You know, come on. Do you want to work for an employer that doesn't have benefits? My staff did not say anything. <laughs> come on. One day in Jesus' name. Listen, benefits are good. How many of y'all love it when you go get coffee? Come on. And you go get your coffee, and they give you a stamp. Just be honest. And you're like, you know that the card is coming. My kids are like, hey, Dad, can we go to 7 Brew? Is it Tuesday? Because double stamp Tuesday is a thing. Come on. I got, we got four kids. I'm filling up some cards today, people. <laughs> benefits. We love benefits. How many of y'all love the apps where you can like, like, let me, let me just help you. If you get nothing out of this today, Chick-fil-A and Slims. Get those apps. And Chick-fil-A, they kind of they do it kind of sus because if you don't give them the app and let them do it before, you have to go online and they know nobody goes online. So you have to be like, I want my points before you have my money. Because if they give you, if, if you give them the money first, you don't get the points. See? Dang. Okay. <laughs> Benefits. My favorite part is when I have enough points and I walk into Chick-fil-A with my family and they're like, how may I serve you? And, and, and I'm like, well, let me tell you my pleasure. I'm feeding the whole family for free. For free. Today is a for free. All the kids, what y'all want? Well, I got, got 10,000 points. I love it. Siri, Siri, when, when the greatest invention other than the phone, was the text-to-speech app. Come on. How many of y'all, the little microphone, how many of y'all love it? Be honest. How many of y'all use it? You know you use it. It's a benefit because I have ADD. And while God has done incredible things, I just want to talk all the time. But I don't want to text, tech, text, you know. I want to just talk about it. So, but here's the thing I need to tell you about text-speech uh, apps is uh, they're not, Siri ain't Christian. <laughs> Siri don't know the Lord. Siri don't have a filter. Siri don't have ethics. Siri, Siri will just try to interpret what you say. And so I just want you to know that if you receive a text from me, probably it's going to be very, very fast. And there's going to be something that I misspell. Because I am that guy. I'm just going to tell you, I already know some of y'all, your teachers, and I know that you would flunk me, but I do not prove for it. I'm on the go, so I'm just like, la, 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 la. bam, send it. And then I'm like, oh, dang. 
That didn't even make sense. Come on, how many of y'all that same way? You just send it. You just send it. You did. Hey, you wanted to talk to me? You deal with it. <laughs> and so, and so I, uh, I hit, the other day, we have a staff member who, his name is Mitchell. We, we have a, a staff name, named Mitchell. And we call him, we call him Mitch. And uh, I begin to send this text. And, and listen, listen, listen. And, and Siri got a little dirty because it changed the M to a B. And, 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 and my wife looked at, because we were both on this same text, and my wife was like, babe, do you know what you, and I was like, oh, <laughs> Siri, you dirty little thing. <laughs> Sometimes benefits aren't benefits. <laughs> but like, you know, how true is that? That, uh, <laughs> that, you know what, here's the thing is, I just need you to know about all of our benefits that they don't last. And uh, sometimes they run out. And sometimes they cause a problem. But church, God has different benefits for us. And I need you to know that the choices that you're making... To serve God will pay off. Like you're not doing something, listen, for nothing. You're not wasting your time. I don't know who I need to talk to today, but you're not wasting your time. Something is actually growing in you. Something is actually happening inside your life. There are benefits. Come on, everybody say benefits. When we come to God with a sincere heart, the transformation starts in our lives. The process isn't fast. I just need you to know it's not fast. And I meet so many believers that along the road and in their journey, they get discouraged because they want to get there fast enough. But I'm telling you, God creates something that's sure, but He doesn't often create something that's fast. He wants it firm and deep. As we begin to look at this, discouragement will throw you off target. God has given you everything that you need to firm up your foundation and strengthen you so that you can grow into spiritual maturity. And I want to lean into this for a couple minutes. I believe over the last 20 years, we, we have been in a type of revival where people have gotten saved. But what we are seeing is the need for spiritual maturity. Come on, does that make sense? Where we are beginning to grow deep, because right now I feel like we're really wide as a, 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 the church here in America. We're really wide. but but And so we love the Lord, but... We don't know how to love other people in the spite of their imperfections where we are growing mature and deep. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. I want you to look at this with me. We're going to break this down. I charge, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. Can I, can I just pause for a second? It is so important for people to speak over your life the things they believe they see about you. Not in a critical way, but in a coaching, calling out. Like those moments are incredible. And so I would just encourage you, this is just a plug for student ministry or whatever. Get your young person to a place where someone can call out. Okay, so either you're going to get your kids to a place that is calling out prophetic things that God wants to do. Or your kids are going to be captured by society and they're going to find things that, ag that agree. God calls stuff out, but the enemy tries to get us to find distractions. Okay? Okay. So Paul is being a good spiritual mentor to Timothy, and he's warning him. Okay, look at this. Previously made, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Look at this. Good warfare, holding faith, and a good conscience. By rejecting this, 
Some have made shipwreck their faith. They've shipwrecked it. Among them are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan so that they may learn not to blaspheme. I just need you to stay with me for five seconds. There are people that you cannot help. And some, I'm going to free somebody today because there are some people, you're trying to hover and stay close to protect them, to help them to do. But Paul, in his spiritual maturity, knew God has a plan for these two individuals and I need to let them wreck their ship because they'll actually find the Lord, begin to turn and begin to totally come back into alignment. Listen, we are hovering over too many relationships trying to fix people when we need to let God. That may not be mine to fix. Paul is encouraging Timothy to remember What's good and not reject it. Come on, you will never stay on target if you reject all the time the good things that God wants to do in your life. You got to remember. Come on, everybody say remember. You got to remember online. You got to remember. We got to remember the good things that God wants to do. He not only wants you to hit the target, he wants you to hit the bullseye. He uses this prophetic moment to encourage the good that is in Timothy. Good warfare. I need you to know that there's a spiritual battle every single day, regardless if you see it, know it, or understand it. It's happening right now. Come on. Every time you act in a way that you don't want to act, what would you call that? That is a spiritual battle. I did not want to say that, but you did. Come on here. That's a, that's, that's a, there's a spiritual battle going on. And you can either sow good spiritual deposits or you can sow evil deposits. It says holding faith. Paul said you got to hold faith. Come on, like holding something. We don't want to be careless with our faith. Paul encourages us to hold firmly. In other words, don't forget, misplace what you're holding. If you're going to live on, it's imperative to hold on. Here's what I need you to know. Is because of the last 60, 70 years in church where we've said, if you want to get saved, raise your hand. And I think that's great. I'm not challenging that. But it almost can appear that I have done it myself and I realized I needed God. So, but that's not what the Bible says. There is a portion that is you allowing the door to be open, but who's knocking? Come on, who's knocking? Who's pursuing? The Bible says that all men are drawn unto me, and I start that. So way before you tried to open the door, God was on his way to you. You hear what I'm saying? And so God has good things for you. Don't waste it. Don't misplace it. Don't lose it. Cherish it. If you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, do you know how many moments and decisions took place to get you to say yes? Don't waste that. Don't don't treat your salvation like an outdated Christmas present. Where I used to appreciate it, I used to enjoy it, but now it's really nothing to me. Come on. For us, here's what it, here's what it says. When we begin to lose hold of our faith, then we cease to value its importance. Paul is saying, Timothy, grab on. Come on, what parent wouldn't be walking down a, a steep uh, mountain that wouldn't grab on to their kids because it's valuable? It says good conscience. Look at this. By living out God's ethics and standards, we never, as a body, as, as believers, we never want to call evil good. We want to protect our hearts and turn away from temptations because those things harden our heart. So offenses, wounds, rejections, abandonment, all of this stuff begins to harden our heart. Look at the end of verse 19. I want you to see this. Come on, look at this. Holding, 
by rejecting this, by reje- so you can reject this. Some have made shipwreck their faith. I meet so many people who are shipwrecking what God gave them. Like, like they're wrecking it rather than fulfilling it. Come on, somebody. And here's the thing that I think it's important for you to see. It doesn't say that you lose your faith. It says that when you reject the good that God has, you are going to be off target. And Paul is warning Timothy, stay on target. When we do, when we, when, when we do, when, when we get off, our faith becomes unproductive, which will cause us to sink, break up, and be shipwrecked. And when we're in that area, when we're in that space, when we're in that situation in our spiritual life, then you need to know that you're in danger of blaspheming the Lord. People who blaspheme the Lord know enough about God to talk about Him, but are not in relation enough to be healed by Him. To blaspheme is disrespecting what is holy. God's standards and God's ways are holy because God is, check this out, holy. I believe the Holy Spirit is is talking to some of us today that the call on your life is still active. Like, you haven't blown it. And I know you may be like, Pastor, thank you for this encouraging message, but I'm actually totally shipwrecked right now. Thank you for that. I never want to come back. But you're, you're, you're missing. I'm not saying in your striving and all of your work, you can make it happen. What I'm actually saying is that God has done all the work for you. And if you feel like you're sinking, if you feel like you're shipwrecked, if you feel like you've abandoned some of the calling of God on your life, I have great news. Come on, listen for you. The target is still available. The bullseye is still in front of you. And God has good things for you. Let's go back to Psalms 103. I want you to see this. Psalms 103. We talked about the benefits. Now look at this. Verse 3, who forgives all of your iniquity, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. I don't know about you, but if you're shipwrecked, this is the best news that you've ever heard in your life because it means it's not over for you. Come on, somebody. It means it's not over. This passage gets me so hyped. I'm like, while I'm reading it, I mean, rising her, I'm feeling the eye of the tiger just like pumping through my veins. Because for my every misstep, God has a recalculation. For every moment I blow it, God has a redemptive quality. Come to hear what I'm saying? So that means that I'm not carrying the pressure of a perfect life. All I have to do is submit to what he's done, and it's going to happen. And getting this will change your life. It will move you from relationship and out of religion. I need you to know he forgives all of your iniquities. And so just so you know about iniquities. So there's sins and then there are iniquities. And iniquities is next level. It's like the gross stuff. It's like the dirty, dirty. And God says, yo, I'll forgive that. Wickedness, injustice, like I'll, I'll forgive. Like the, I, there may be some of you sitting on secrets that nobody knows. Things that you've yet to tell your husband, things that you've yet to tell your wife. Students in here that maybe you haven't told your parents, you may be sitting on some secrets. But I need you to know that God forgives. Not only that, but He heals. Like he heals. God is still in the healing of disease business. And over the last many years, even in this room, we, we, we have seen over the last three or four, three years that we, people have suffered loss. And we all have stories where we may have prayed and the miraculous happened. And then we prayed and it was a process. We've been and had many opportunities in our family to walk through the process where we were praying for something, but then there was a process. 
And I just need you to know it, it, it's very hard for us as believers to begin to agree. I was talking to, with a, a, a man the other day about a month ago. And he said, you know what, Pastor Stephen, I believe this. Sometimes I'm just not sure God will do it. And if we're transparent, like, that's where we find ourselves a lot of time. We know God's good enough. We're just not sure if he will. But here's what God wants from us. Listen, God is not a God that we get to control. His, he's not our bellhop. And God is doing something. And I do believe in the Old Testament, there was healing. In the New Testament, there is healing. And I still believe, listen, it is our job to pray for God to heal and believe that he wants to because it is in his nature because he is a good father. And I don't know one good father that doesn't want to do good to his kids. And he is supposed to be the model father. Like our son just had surgery and got some stuff done on his nose, on the inside. And you know what? It, I cooked him some food. I waited on him. Katie did a whole lot more. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying like, ah. I'm like, I did the leftover part. She did the first 90 and I did the last 10. But it still was an incredible sacrifice on my part. My, my point is that even in my jacked up, growing, fighting my selfishness self, I did not want him to suffer, and I did want, that is who God is. And so we believe, and we believe that well, there are things that we can't see, and there are things that we don't understand, and God is shifting and moving all the time, but the Bible tells us he heals, and so there are no caveats to that. We believe that, and we believe that he either heals on this side or he heals on the next side, but we believe that God is good. Come on, does that make sense? Like, that's what we believe. That's what we believe. And so we believe that he can heal us mentally, spiritually, physically. We, we believe that God can heal. Heal. And so we're the first to pray. Not, not the last. And I just need you to believe that you're not running this journey of faith broken. That God is healing you along the way. I wish, I'm, I'm so glad that y'all didn't know me at 19. Because God has been healing me along the way. And, and, and that's my, if, that's, if you want to know like one goal I have for you individually in your spiritual life is that every year you'd be a, whole, a little bit more whole. Every year God would, would have a little bit more space in your life. Every year you'd be overcoming some challenges. Every year you would be winning where you used to be insecure. Every year you'd be stepping, like, like just not every day, but every year when you look at it, this last 365, I may have had a couple steps up and a couple steps back and a couple steps up and a couple, but at the end of the year, when I look back, I am somewhere different than I used to be. Come on, somebody, y'all give the Lord a hand. It says that he redeems us. He redeems us from the pit. Come on, has anybody ever been in a pit? Pit, the pit, that, a pit is messed up. It's lower than the ground. Come on, like it's a hole in the ground lower than the ground. Now, that's parking garage level one, okay? And here's the deal. I need some of you to realize it's time to lay down your shovels because you're trying to dig your way out when you need to say, God, I can't get out, and he is the one that delivers you from the pit. Maybe the pit of finances, the pit of poverty, the pit of broken relationships, the pit of cycles, the pit of things destructive that are going on in your relationships. I really believe that God delivers us from the pit. And there may have been choices that you made. There may have been choices that other people made. But I need you to know that God can deliver you out of the pit if you'll stop trying to figure out how to get out yourself. The Bible says that he crowns us. Crowned. What does that mean? The crown of glory that God has given us is steadfast love and abundant mercy. Come on. There is no better crown. Come on, all you fashionistas. You know what I'm saying? It never runs out of style. You can tilt it. You cannot. But it always is in style. It is the most powerful to wear this crown of love and mercy means that Jesus had to wear a crown of thorns 
curses, and shame. He took the thorns so that you could take his love. The crown can't be earned. It, uh, you're not racking up spiritual points. You're not trying to figure it all out. You're not trying to, if I can just work hard enough. You've been given a crown and that crown can't be earned. That crown was bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus. Come on somebody. And you're placing it. And here's the thing that grieves me the most as a pastor. Is I see people laying down their crowns for caps. That crown was a sign of authority that you could navigate as, an as a son and daughter in a different kingdom and walk through authority. But here's the thing, is I need you to see there is nothing worth taking your crown off and capping your potential. You hear what I'm saying? The Bible says he satisfies Man, if there's any word that we need to hear, if there's any word that we need to hear, satisfies. Satisfies. We are in a world of people who are never satisfied, who are always discontent, who are always, come on, hear, hear me, listen. For us to stay on target, you're going to have to believe that there are benefits and abundant life waiting for you. And I, I need you to see that, you know what, maybe your negativity isn't really producing the next wave of breakthrough in your life. Our world is struggling to be satisfied. They want to change jobs because they're not satisfied. They want to change churches because they're not satisfied. They want to change the service provider because they're not satisfied. They want to change their mate. Come on. All because we're not satisfied. And, 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 and here's the deal. We begin to play mental games even within ourselves. And we say, well, if they would do all X, Y, Z, but we're focused on them but not our own selfishness. And the reality is we are unsatisfied in our soul and we're making everybody cater to us. Come on. Here's what the Bible says. Can you put that verse back up there? I just want them to see this real quick. It says this, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. I don't know about you, but I don't care how old you are. I don't care what age you are. I want to be, as long as I'm living, I want my new youth renewed. Listen, my outward, I may have some wrinkles. Come on, somebody. I may lose a little up, up in here in my crown. I, I, may, I, may have, uh, I may look like some age, but in, inside of me... I have not diminished. And here's how I know that can happen. It's because a Caleb was old when he finally got the opportunity to fight for his God. And the Bible said that he was a young, there was youth in here. And let me just tell you, everybody over 30, everybody over 40, everybody over 60 or 80 or whatever, there is something in you that should. And I'm going to tell you, our culture has so inverted it. Most of the old people that I see are in their 20s. Negative, entitled, bitter. Hear me. The Bible says he wants got good for you and he will renew your, your, your youth. And I just tell you that you can be an eagle and you can soar or you can be a rock and you can sink. But I don't know about you, but I want to soar. Come on, somebody. I, I want to see all that God has for me. He satisfies. Years ago, <laughs> I went skiing. It wasn't good. Uh. I, I, was, I was younger, I went skiing, and, and I only had one day. I only had one day, and my friend was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, uh, I've never gone skiing. And he was like, well, it's a little late. I was like, let's just do it. So we got out there about 1 o'clock, and uh, I got the skis, and it was fun. And I, I did my arrow and my, my fan out, my arrow, my, and I did the bunny foot slopes. It was so fun. And he was like, hey, man, well, let's go. And I was like, oh, no, we're going. And he was like, what? And I was like, I'm ready. He was like, bro, you're not ready. And I was like, yes, I am. He was like, you can't do it. And I was like, uh, oh, really? <laughs> and so I was like, let's tackle this bad boy. 
And so we're in Colorado, and uh, and <laughs> I walk over to the lift, and I, I'm gonna go, I'm just gonna tell you the truth. I almost lost it with the lift because <laughs> it, they, they don't slow it down. There's no seat buckle. Okay, it's, it's, it's very unsafe, and uh, I just want to say that to you. Um, and so I'm trying to walk, and I can't really walk. And, and they're, they're, the guy who's there all the time is like, just jump on. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so I, I'm like, I can't really jump. And so I, I didn't know that you were per, supposed to be halfway decent with your skis, skis before you go up a mountain. <laughs> so anyway, we did it. And I'm, I'm up there, like, way, way back, and the intercom comes on and says, sorry, don't rock. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not really rocking. I'm just really far. And, um, <laughs> and I get to the, the, the top, and the little speaker over your head says, okay, get ready to, you know, get off. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so people are, like, jumping off. You know, I'm like, 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 it's like they're jumping out of a fire. They're, they're jumping. And so, and so he, my friend's like, get ready. And I'm like, and, and so I, I jump off the lift and uh, barely survive. And now I'm up on the mountain and I'm looking down. And I just, I just want to tell you this, that when you're down and you look up, it's a little different than when you're up and look down. Have you ever thought about that? It's like the, the incline, the, the, how it, steep it is. And so my friend was like, okay, well, let's get ready. And I, and I literally was like, I don't know which one's going to kill me. <laughs> going back on the lift or going down. And so I was like, okay, let's just do this. And I want you to know, I fell all the way down. <laughs> like, when I, like I felt so many times I hit people. I ran into people. I apologized more times than you, I could even tell you. They had these orange barriers that you're not supposed to go through I visited the other side I just wanted to visit that part um, when I finally got down to the bottom I literally couldn't couldn't move and my friend was like I told you and the only thing I could say is I hate you like I hate you and as he got my skis off and they carried me to the car. Um, <laughs> seriously, I was like, you need help. Um, uh, I was so frustrated because I was like, dang it. I had my opportunity. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, just, I just knew that I was going to be like, whoosh. I just knew that I, I, I blew my only opportunity to like, <laughs> I mean, I, like the Olympics were over. It was all done. And I know what you're thinking. Some of you are really good at skiing, and you're, th you're thinking, what well, I already know. That was stupid, okay? I have the bruises. Like, I'm good. But I, I feel like people do this all the time with Christianity. I have one moment with God, and I think that I'm just going to. <laughs> Devil! <laughs> And, and, it, and it's supposed to, it's going to be so easy and one just moment and, and, and people get, they fall and they hit and they break boundaries and they, and they do things that discourage them. And now they don't want to go to church and they don't want to do because I made commitments. I broke commitments and now I'm in this perpetual cycle and all I want to do is take the skis off and never do it again. Wow. And I need you to know. That God has not left you. God is right there with you. He has a target for you. I am not saying you don't have to do anything. But I'm saying the things that you can't do, God has done. Come on. Come on. So as we end, and I know I'm over, but, but that's what happens when I take a couple weeks off, Dad. I want to give you two things. That, so we, I have laid out why we have to stay on. Because here's the deal. Other people are being affected by you being off. We got Easter coming up. People are going to be affected, listen, by you being on. But I want to give you two quick things that I think will help you stay on. Live on. Live on. Okay, I'm going to give them to you real quick. The first is this. 
You're going to have to have open communication with the Lord. We are not in a religion. We are in a relationship. And you're, listen, every time in our home when we are too busy, when things are going, when it's going, and communication shuts down, something has hindered that communication. And God is like, listen, I have done everything so the doors and the walls and the windows of communication can stay open because here's the deal. You need me talking to you in your life. God has given us access. Because of Jesus, we can boldly walk in and have a relationship with Jesus. Whenever there is no communication, we are absent of vision, and we are absent of passion, and we are absent of purpose. I think there are three hindrances when communication breaks down. Pride. Pride says, I don't need God for this part. Priorities says, I don't have time for God in this season. And pain says, I don't really believe God cares or sees me. And those things will cut and break down. And so it will, it will cease open communication. And I'm just telling you, listen, God wants to communicate with you. Here's the second one. Ben, y'all can come up. If you're going to be on, you've got to have open communication. Open communication. Every Tuesday night, we have prayer here at 630. And I just want you to know, listen, listen, my goal and I'm just, let me just say this without canceling me. I love that we have strong women that are leading. But we will be a church where strong men lead. We will be unashamedly. We don't see masculinity as evil. We see it as inherently created by God. And I am telling you that I am not looking for a church that the only people who show up to prayer, worship practice, and serving are women. You hear what I'm saying? And so, so many times, well, I'm tired. Get untired. Come on, hear me. We got to have both. Open communication here, Tuesday night. If there's some stuff going on in your life, Come here. We're going to open the Bible. We're going to pray. And we're going to seek the Lord. Okay? Do that for your legacy. Do that for the next three, three generations of your family. Come, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. ESPN can't help three generations. Last thing is this. Never quit. Never quit. Come on, look to your right and left. Look at someone and say, never quit. Never quit. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get discouraged and, and, and having to always readjust your aim. And I'm off target and I'm readjusting. I'm readjusting. I'm readjusting. But here's what I want you to know that you will always, for the rest of your life, have to readjust your thoughts, readjust your hearts, readjust your attitude. And, and, and you'll always have to do that. Who in their right mind would quit the team right before they win? God has good things for you. He gave us in this verse, forgiveness, heal, redeems, crowns, and satisfies. Well, the opposite of those words are this. Condemnation, sickness, abandonment, rejection, and restlessness. God did not save you to lose you to condemnation or sickness or abandonment or rejection or restless living here's my last thought I had a I used to work at a summer camp and I taught archery and uh, this this young person um, was on the way to the archery to, to, to the to our activity and he was like I am really good at archery. I'm the best. I'm so good. It was like really like feeling himself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am awesome. And I was like, great. And so we got out there. We did some learning, some technique. And then we played a game at the end. And he was terrible. 
missed the target. He was really bad. And so uh, we just kind of went on, and he got back on the wagon, coming back up to uh, where we were having a meeting. And I saw him. He was kind of discouraged. And I was like, hey, bro, what's up? He was like, I'm terrible. I stink. And I was like, what? No, you feel great. No, you don't. And he's like, the, the recurves that we're using is different than my compound bow, and I can't do it. I can't hit the target. And I was like, okay, time out, bro. Here's the deal. Don't quit this activity, and I promise you by the end, you'll be hitting the target. He said, because I told him, I said, all we got to do is three things. We need to adjust your position. We need to get your focus right, and we need to work on some technique. And I am telling you today, okay, listen, all we got to do is adjust your position, fix your focus, and work on some technique. By the end of the week, he, began, he was hitting bullseyes. And I believe that there's bullseyes waiting for you that you don't know. And you just need to fix your position. God loves you and has a plan for your life. You need to get your focus right. And Thank we need you to work for on listening some to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.